What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. This is episode 22. And sitting with me right now is a, a, a guest that I am very, very happy to have. I told you guys that I was going to have a guest on episode 22. I uh, just performed with him tonight in the Bronx. I am sitting here with Faryaz Rabani, comedian. What's up, dude? Thanks for being here. What's going on, Paul? I feel like your audience is going to be pretty disappointed about no. No. having me on the show. <laughs> no, they're not, dude. This guy is uh, hilarious. We actually have a mutual friend, um, Adrian Apolucci, who... He's a great comedian. Yeah, she's a great comedian. She's one of my, both of our yeah. closest friends in comedy. Uh, every time I want Adrian on my damn show, she is either can't do it or apparently this time she fell, broke her knee. And, and, her, her, and her ankle. And her ankle. And uh, she, she's out of commission this week. So um, I saw that I was working with uh, Faryaz and I said, I know this dude is funny. Um, you know, what about him on the show after we perform here? We have a very unique story about something else <laughs> today's show so so here we are uh Farias, tell you want to tell everybody you are a uh, new york-based comedian you've been doing mm -hmm. comedy for how long now seven years seven years in new york city seven years and you started in new york city started at new york comedy club steve aaron's basement show it wasn't oh. a basement but it felt like a basement i've done those shows you have three friends in there they tell you you're going on at 8 30 yep you don't get on until 11 o'clock no, i got up at 12 30 i remember this very well I, it was 12 30 is that right mm -hmm. well see that's what happens when you start this is how comedians get taken advantage of when they get into the business you're so psyched that they're actually giving you a spot oh my god right i thought i was gonna be on letterman like two weeks from then <laughs> no, this, is, this is what happened on my first show he puts me up, I do well, and I think, oh shit, I'm going to be on Letterman like next week. I can't <laughs> wait. Because that's what they put on the website. They're like, oh, you're Letterman, people watching you, and right. you're going to get scouts. I'm like, hey, Steve, who's the booker of the show? I'm like, hey, do I have to bring people next time? He's like, yeah, you got to bring people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's going to go, you know, no, 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 you know what, so Farias, listen, that one thing you did, that this is it. It's, it's over. You're, you're fantastic. Yeah, you absolutely killed it, and your bringers are over. In fact, so, we're bumping you up to headliner. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's hilarious. Um, that's great. So anyway, uh, we got some high levels here. We're, by the way, just so you guys know, we are sitting on the stage that we just performed at here at Bruckner Bar and Grill here in the Bronx, New York. We did um, uh, a show that uh, a gentleman by the name of Anthony uh, Martinez, uh, a new up-and-coming comedian, started this room. It's an excellent room. We're actually on the stage, so the acoustics are going to be pretty loud. We'll try to <laughs> we'll try to calm down here, but that that's hilarious. I actually started in Steve Aaron's rooms, and I remember I was so nervous when I walked in the first the first night to do my bringer. Mm -hmm. uh, Al Martin was sitting there, and he just looked at me, and then he looked at my friends, and he goes, "You guys got to get him a drink." And he was dead serious. Wow. Like he wasn't even like trying to joke. He was just like, "Dude, this is going to be." And yeah, so I totally. <laughs> No, we come now. You're from you're from Bangladesh. From Bangladesh, I uh, came here in '93. So how was that? Culture shock or? Uh, it was pretty much of a culture shock, but I saw movies, so I had an expectation of what. I just thought it was. Okay, now you got to tell me this. You got to tell me this because that's hilarious. What movies did you watch that actually prepared you for well, the United States? I wasn't I wasn't fully prepared. In my my expectation was that I thought Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck would be like running around all through America. That's why I thought America was like a giant Disneyland. Right. And that's not what happened. Like, I, my first... The, <laughs> the place hilarious. I came here first was in the Bronx. I can't remember the exact place. But it was as shitty as Bangladesh. So I was like, uh... <laughs> what, what just happened here? I thought it was going to be an improvement. I thought this, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's not what happened. American I'm going like, to fucking, like, ghetto Bronx. <laughs> Like what the, what American guys? dream, my ass. Yeah. <laughs> we could have stayed. We could have saved the trip. That. Yeah, we just saved the whole trip. Now you are a now. Um, if my if my research, yeah. my in depth research is correct, uh, you are a, like a non practicing Muslim. Is that right. Correct? Well, I mean, you know, my name is Faryaz. I was raised Muslim, but I'm I'm pretty much an atheist. You're just yeah. yeah I don't I don't believe in anything. Whatever. I mean, there could be a god, but. I really don't. You, you don't, you don't. Yeah, you're not yeah. like a practicing. Yeah. No, if you want to draw pictures of Muhammad, go right ahead. It's totally cool. <laughs> no, um, it's cool because when you have a mutual friend like Adrian, and we, mm. uh, we've heard about each other mm -hmm. through just different things. We, and even we talked have, about each other. Like talked to each other and like about that joke that remember the, the Korean. Yes. Yeah, I was actually on stage and I was doing a joke about you know um, 
my people that know me well know that I do have a phobia with flying. I'm very uncomfortable, so I did research about it, and I talked about how a, a gentleman did a study on nationalities of pilots who have crashed the most through history. Right. And uh, Farias and another comedian, uh, Josh Homer, were there, and they heard what I did, and they came up to me, and the joke is basically that Koreans have crashed the most and killed the most passengers due to pilot error. Right. And they told me, he came up to me after and said, you know what, there's actually a reason, and he told me the reason, and that's the joke. And I've actually, since then, tell crowds, someone came up to me afterwards and told me why, and I explain it, and it gets a laugh, and that someone is you, and it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable that that it's basically the and and what's the name of the book? Uh, Outliers, I think it's, it's Outliers. Outliers. Okay, yeah. okay, yes. Yeah. So and the fact that the level of pride mm -hmm. and in the culture of just having yeah. that happen is just <laughs> like you know so unbelievable. But uh, yeah, so we've heard about each other. We've um, we've you know just mutual friends. And tonight, we're here. Tonight, this is what happened. Um, and I probably shouldn't be banging on things on a stage in a room this good uh, acoustically. Um, we're trying to do a show here, and uh, we uh, were told that there would be no interruptions, and some people just kind of uh, busted in the back, and uh, you hear dudes talking. So apparently the manager who gave us the space, uh, these guys slipped through the fingertips. I guess so. Um, but um, we're, we're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to be uh, in private. No, it's okay, man. These guys know... Uh, these guys know now. They just looked up and just gave us the, oh, shit, we fucked up look. So uh, it's all good. Um, so, any, so anyway, isn't it awkward because, like, I'm telling a manager. Right. Like, I'm not, like, I just came here for the first time ever, <laughs> and I'm basically shushing people that, like, run this place. Uh, no, so we come here to this place, the, the Bruckner Barn Grill, and you don't know what to expect. Anytime you hear of a... Of a, of a a bar show. Yeah, it could be either way. You don't know where you're walking into. No. You, you could be walk. It's funny because I was actually walking here and I was walking <laughs> on the side of the entrance and all I saw was a shitload of motorcycles and the first thing I said to myself was, holy shit, this is going to suck. <laughs> uh, so, so we're here and there's a back room here which actually is awesome and if they put it together the right way amazing there's, stage. There's, there's a dj booth we're sitting on this nice amazing stage in the back of this bar um it looks like it could probably hold comfortably 55 60 people mm -hmm. um unfortunately we performed tonight in front of eight fucking people uh the funniest thing though was and i got to give it to uh, farias for this because in my opinion and this is not to take anything away from <clears throat> from you know the other guys on the show but there's eight people they kind of got dragged into the room the show basically in my opinion the show probably should have been canceled Did you agree you yeah, definitely yeah like you know it's funny farias looked at me and goes so what do you think we should should somebody say something basically he was trying to say why the fuck are we here and why didn't we leave a half hour ago well, it was right? gonna start at eight and, and then it started at what like nine ten nine twenty yeah it was it was yeah. a show that was supposed to start at eight nobody was in the room at eight and then basically they got some people into the room they just got a group of five to come into the room instead they, of eight. They, they got a gr group of five and then luckily a couple of stragglers another couple came in and by the time it was done you had eight or nine people in here um the host goes on and did like two minutes and he said uh, he was gonna do eight though he's gonna do like he said i'm gonna do like eight to ten and i'll bring this guy up and i'll bring you up and i'll bring you up right and, that and was his thing yeah so so <clears> basically uh and the show was supposed to be normally each comic was going to do 15 to 20 but since it's ran late and there was nobody in the room like i'll oh, just keep it keep it you know short <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, anthony goes up he does a couple minutes he brings up the next guy who does I don't know, eight minutes, and the show, I'm, I'm not going to lie, and this has nothing to do with the comedians, people are texting in this fucking room. Well, right? So if you have eight people and one person, or even two people are texting, yeah. it yeah. just throws you off. So do the math. If 40% if of the room is texting and there's eight people, it's a nightmare. And four other are eating, too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so now that we're competing with, like, Cubans, French fries, and texting from people that got dragged in the room and didn't want to be here in the first place. Cuban sandwiches, not Cuban, actual Cubans. <laughs> yeah, we're not exactly. against Cubans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cuban sandwiches. I'm sorry, the ham, the pickles, all that shit. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Because uh, there's people listening going, Cubans. Cubans. We're against Cubans. <laughs> so now, and I and I know you know Farias has been doing it longer. Um, other than everybody else on the show, the only one doing it longer, I think, is me. So I'm I'm curious to see. I'm going. All right. This guy's a pro, this guy's funny, and this is a situation that is just like, holy fuck, like, 
you know, it's one of those rooms where even no matter how much of a professional you are, see, that's the thing. It's almost like what would Chris Rock do? Mm-hmm. What would? It's one of those things where it doesn't matter how long you've been doing comedy. You're in a situation, but I know that certain professionals can do certain things, and I'm just watching. And I know both of us are probably thinking, all right, let's see what the what can you what make, can of, make it? of this? And, yes. and, and Farrier yeah. said the funniest shit. He looked at me when the first show started, and as honest as could be, just goes. How am I here? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just. I can't believe I was here. You were like, am I? It was just like you were looking around. Holy shit, is this really fucking taking place right now in the back of this bar in the Bronx? Um, so you go on stage, and I gotta tell you, dude, I'm not saying that because you're a guest on my podcast, because you were gonna be a guest regardless, and I wouldn't mention it, but in my opinion, you. Totally got up there and just were like, and and you you announced what what I think any pro is. Just so you guys know, they had three cameras here. No, I'm, and I don't mean like I don't mean like handheld. No, it's like HD, like professional. Yeah, like they had like three cameras. Yeah, like like interns were here. They had fucking spotlights. Like they had like people. They, this was like you would have thought that they were doing like you know a scene from like Eight Mile when they were doing that right. rap and everything. You would have think that it would have been like that. And there's eight people in this empty room. And Farias gets up there and just starts just nailing it. Like, is it necessary to have this? Is it necessary? The only thing that sucked was I'm going fuck. You know what? That was what I was <laughs> going to do. I think any professional comedian would have had no choice. I just, I thought it was like so out there that this kid is taking pictures, but he's like taking it in different angles. And we're just like standing on stage, but he's going in the back, <laughs> taking a picture. He's going on the side. Yeah. And I'm like, Yo, what are you doing? You're just taking the same picture over and over again, just more empty chairs. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, it was hilarious. And, and you nailed it. And I'm going, I'm going, all right, you know what? But you actually, what you did in doing that, and, and, and comedians, I know that I have some comedian friends out there who listen to the podcast, he, it, it actually turned it into to a show because it just went from something that looked like it was going to be a complete shit show to okay now what he's nailing the room he gets some attention he, he was, you know you dealt with the people that were that needed to be dealt with and uh, and then it was good I went on and I and I told him when I got on I said listen I, I'm really not going to let you crush my soul and uh, well, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to let the emptiness of this room I'm just going to go there and I just started busting out new stuff and we had a really good it didn't time. feel like new stuff though it, it felt like it was like tried and true material oh thank you yeah, man. it didn't thank feel you. like you were thinking on the spot or anything like that well, it's very the, fluid well I appreciate that the OCD <laughs> thing and some certain things I shouldn't say it's not the first time I've ever done it but like they're fetuses at the point. Like, they're, like, you know, three or four times, so... Although, uh, they look like third trimesters to me. They're, they're <laughs> <laughs> See, folks? That's what I'm talking about. That's great. Um, so, what we they were nice enough here to let... And, by the way, honestly, if you, if you come to the Bronx and you see the Anthony Martinez show, I can promise you, if this room... Is is full? Mm-hmm. This, Not even even half full. Even half full. Yeah. Twenty people in this room. The the sound system is phenomenal. The I I, I just think the whole setup is great. They just got to get people here. So uh, definitely want to plug Bruckner Bar and Grill in uh, the Bronx, New York. Yep. Uh, not far from Yankee Stadium. I guess we're like thirty something blocks away. Who knows? But uh, come out here. Was the food good? I didn't have the food. It was pretty good. Enjoyed it. All right. Yeah. So nothing to like. You know, wasn't. <laughs> do we have a burger? I had a, I had a lamb burger. Yeah, that, that's the Italian in me, where you look for the reaction because food is like, <laughs> food is like, you know, it was pretty good. All right, I enjoyed it. I'm not gonna, yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it was good. You're like, all right, dude. I think, you know, I'm not gonna trash it, but let's. It wasn't the greatest. Um, all right, so I, uh, so Farias, how we do it is we're gonna we're gonna go into some some sections of the show. We got the movie section, the sports section, which I know you could give a fuck about, um, but that's gonna be. Now, have you been to sporting events? Yeah, of course. I mean, I've been to sporting. Events. I just don't care. Because I right. still have to go to work. Right. No matter what happens to the Yankees or the Mets, I still have work tomorrow. Right, it right. Doesn't, it doesn't, I don't, yeah. And I'm what do you do? Yeah, what's your, what's your? I sell used cars. Do you? <laughs> yes. You know what the funny thing is? You don't look like a scumbag. Not, not, not even a used car, not even a used car's been a scumbag, but you don't even look like. Oh, they are scumbags. Uh, you yeah, can say it. You can say it. Yeah, I mean, most of them are, but you look like the nice guy that, like, it, like, if, you, I don't think you would push a piece of shit on somebody. Here's how, I'm a horrible car salesman. I don't know why I have this job. <laughs> But honest to God, I don't have a driver's license. I can't even drive. But I'm a fucking used car salesman. Like, do you know how insane that is? Do you, uh, that's when, great. When people ask me to go on test drives, yeah. I make sure they start driving. Like, I make sure, like, oh, you're going to be driving, right? Because it's your car. Yeah. So they, they don't, you know, you, yeah, you take the car out. Yeah, let me see how you do it. Oh, that's funny. So now, now what is the, um, like, have you, have you really given away a car that you were like, man, I don't think you should buy this? 
Uh, yeah, of course. All right. So, all right. So, I'm, I'm, I'm not a... See, the thing is, it's not like I tell them the car is great or anything. You're like, listen, I'm not a scumbag, but I got to pay rent. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll give you the car facts, but if you don't ask for it, I'm not going to give it to you. You know what's funny? I, I looked at you and I said, have you been to sport? Like, like you don't know. Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, he's from Bangladesh <laughs> and he's Muslim. I don't... Do you know what a baseball is? Sorry, guys. It's that little round. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. No, well, here's what I'll say then. Okay. Um... And, and actually, this is a good time to have a guest who's not really that into sports because okay. I've talked about this last time on the show. Sports right now is hurting. NBA finals are over. Okay. Um, baseball doesn't matter till September because there's a million games on the schedule. And the NFL um, is. Football, the NFL, you know, it's still kind of in limbo. Hopefully, <laughs> apparently there's progress with the um, – apparently now the owners think $18 billion is enough, uh, you know, with, with uh, all the stuff that's going on with the lockout and the players. So hopefully there's a season. But I will say this, and this is going to be the sports uh, section of the show today, is that my wife and I went to Yankee Stadium um, on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we went to see the Milwaukee Brewers play the Yankees. It was something that I said uh, before. My mother-in-law, who was nice enough, her law firm gets tickets and said, pick a date. And I said, why not see an American League team play a National League team? We'll go to some interleague play. We saw the Milwaukee Brewers. And I have to tell you, and I said this on my Facebook I've been to the new Yankee Stadium enough, whatever it was, $500 million, and it is beautiful, but I've been there enough to honestly say that this stadium, and as, as hard as it is to admit, because I'm going to probably be going there with my son and everything for years, is not even close to the first one. The first one had this feel of electricity. The first one had the tunnels where when you walk through, then you see the grass. I see. This one's all open. So you walk in and there's no surprise. Right. Now I'm a little kid and all of a sudden you walk in and you see the it's grass like, and Don Mattingly and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. like it's this thing. Now it's like, you know, you, you, you could get steaks, you can you get like sushi, every, you know. So it turned into this corporate, you know. Right. But, but here's, here's my problem. It doesn't get loud. It's almost like people are so used to success or they have the money. Seats are empty. It's not as loud. And I got to be honest, it was fucking depressing. Was it not loud because the seats were empty or... Well, first of all, behind home plates, like $2,500, like it's some ridiculous thing, oh. and you get like prime rib if you go downstairs, and you get candy, and it's all part of the thing. So you could actually go underneath the seats behind home plate, uh-huh. and there's like a buffet uh-huh. with like, you know, chicken and beef and, and all this candy and stuff. So I don't know if people go down there. That's what some people think. But it's just spread out where you see a lot of empty seats with two strikes normally when everyone gets going and they right. want to get out of the Now it's just kind of like, eh. And, and I, and I got to be honest, I looked at my wife and I was like, this is fucking Yankee Stadium. They just invested so much money in this. But you know what? Shame on them for making the ticket prices. You know how much, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, how much a hot dog is. A hot dog is uh, one little hot. I'm not talking about a foot long. Foot long. One, yeah, 550. Yikes. And a beer is 875, 12 ounces. Oh. So you could go to the deli and get a, oh. you could go to the deli and get a six pack. For le- that money. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and it just it just wasn't loud. So I said that, and I thought a lot of Yankee fans were going to hate on me. And go, how the fish is Yankee? And they were agreeing. They probably agree, yeah. And they were agreeing. So I, I just got to say, I was, I just, it sucked. It really I heard really the Mets Stadium was pretty good, though. Have I've never been. Have you, have you, no, you, I went to Shea Stadium a bunch of times. I've never been to City Field yet. I'm actually hearing City Field <laughs> is better. I heard um, City Field is better, yeah. I heard it looks nicer. And they, it's just sad because they, they invested so much money, and the fans, you know, have to pay... It's like who can afford that? Exactly. Like, you know, it's like my son, for me and my son to like because I'm in, my son's two years old. Eventually, I'm going to take. But you have that family outing. When I have that family outing, I got to bring three hundred fucking dollars. Right. You know, for and for, that's just for tickets. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like if we want decent seats and we all need like a bite to eat. It's it's you're talking about unbelievable. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Just... So I hope I hope that it gets better, but this stadium does not get loud. At times, the stadium should get loud. Mm-hmm. As a Yankee fan, mm-hmm. you know, okay, it's time to like. And this is just almost like ah, we're here. It's it seems like somebody's underwhelming. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's yeah. like like the old stadium people where you'd freak out like a base hit. People are like, yes, you're into it, and now it's just kind of like there's an expectation. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Yankee fans out there, I'm sorry, but I have to be real. I hope that things get better. Um, and I can't. Even, I don't want to see the fucking Mets because I'm just <laughs> you, you know like, like like even though like I, you can't win now because you either pay a fortune or you see a bad team. <laughs> like I and I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm getting out of. I'm I'm starting to like not that I don't care about sports but like baseball I'm actually getting into the NBA now again. Okay. You you did you watch any of the NBA? I watched I watched the NBA. I saw the finals happen. And you all did. That. It, was, it was exciting. It yeah. was right. It was very yeah. exciting. Yeah. I'm, the NBA is starting to slowly make slowly make a comeback uh, with these guys. But sports in general. Hope football comes back. Um, 
and and I hope these guys stop being greedy. There actually might even be a strike in the NBA. And you know what? We get fucked. Nobody. And the funny thing is, though, we're not smart enough to come together and go. I'm just not going. Yeah. It'll never happen. That'll never. Happen. That will never. It's it's almost like uh, they said years ago, comedians were going to strike. They say right. Say you know we're not going into that comedy club tonight. You got to up it at least twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. And after a while, comedians are like, I need, I need money, so I'm not going to well, do it. Well, not only that, but there's always going to be some other comedian that's willing to do it right. for that. Right. So, but, right, they need to pay or they need, yeah. they, they need to do it. And there's always I, someone shittier than you who's willing to just get that step up. You know what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm going to segue <laughs> this because that's really the sports this week is Yankee Stadium. Step up your fucking game. Uh, and, and lower the prices. But uh, this stadium is not even the same. But I, I got into some conversations about gas prices with people. Okay, mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to talk about. Gas, I, somebody said, are people smart enough to just not go? No, they're not. Because you need to get to work. Yeah. You need, but there are some gas stations when business is like slower, they, they knock it down. And it's like that just goes to show of course. how fucking – I heard some guy did something where uh, – I heard somebody say that – they made a car where you could use, um, like, human shit or piss and drive on it. Oh, yeah. There's all types of t- <laughs> There's French fry oil cars. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. You can drive a car on, like, French fry oil. There's people who made, you know, shit happen like that. <laughs> no pun intended. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just guys eating eggs and drinking yeah. coffee. And just putting it in. <laughs> really? There's, yeah, it's, there's it's something out there. Google it. It's, it's out there. Uh, you can run... I think McDonald's oil, like you know, the, the oil that they use French fries on. Yeah, they can. You can use that to run a car. Oh man! <clears throat> so now, have you been to? Um, have you? Do you go back to Bangladesh ever? Uh, I've been there like once or twice. Since you since ninety three since ninety three yeah. Oh okay. So now I take it there's no um, comedy there. Actually, there's I, no. I heard. Well, actually, I saw on YouTube a comedy club where. Where uh, the Booker of Letterman, what's his name? Eddie, Eddie Brill. Brill. Eddie Brill went and did a set there or something like that. What? It's, it's on YouTube. There's a comedy club in... There's a ba- comedy club at the capital of Bangladesh where Eddie Brill performed. Wow. Yes. That, that's, all I, that's the only the extent of my knowledge is that much. But I know it exists. Know Holy shit. I, I <laughs> thought you were going to like look at me and be like, that was the stupidest question. No, no, no. It was not a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, Eddie Brill! I and wonder Eddie how Brill. that went. I gotta ask. If I ever run into, I gotta ask you how that ask went. Him. Yeah, yeah. It's on YouTube somewhere. Uh, I want to get into. I want to get into. Um, I just want to thank everybody. Uh, if you're listening from the University of uh, New Haven, me and Joe Matteris were there. We performed in front of the the the, the freshman to be. Okay. So basically, they the did an class. orientation, mm-hmm. and they brought him there, and they did all these activities. So these 17, 18 year olds, oh, and so just young. filled. Filled in this thing, and it was they just went for the ride. Really, they were they were they were better and smarter than I thought they would be. So uh, so that was awesome. And um, what are you um, now? Now when you let me ask you this: when you go into the city, yeah, you do uh, New York Comedy Club still? Yeah, well, I'll do New York Comedy Club Saturday nights for Seymour Swan show. Yes, I know Seymour. Yeah, he's a good okay, guy. and that, and and you uh, you come in from Queens, which is nothing. There's nothing. Yeah, twenty five minutes. And so what's it like when you go to work and you got like, are you, because I remember like, you know, when I was, when I had the job and I had gigs, like if you, if you're working and you're selling cars and you have like a really shitty day. I have the, a shitty day every day. That's, that's <laughs> work. So anytime you're selling cars, you just hate it. Of course. I hate the fucking job with a passion. Like, I mean, I do this bit about how. <laughs> that's hilarious. I do this bit about how like, I want to quit my job so much. That you know how like they'll say a guy thinks about sex every ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. I think of quitting my job so much I don't even think about sex. Like all I do is think about how I can get out of this fucking job, and it motivates me to keep doing comedy. <laughs> but that's all it does. Yeah. Motivates well, me to you, keep... you know what Jerry Seinfeld said? He said when you're an up and coming comedian or you're a comic, always keep a bad job. It's a terrible job. He said, oh, it's just, so you're you're on the right. <laughs> I'm on the right track. <laughs> you're on the right track. It's so, a career move I made. So, but the, but the question that I was gonna uh, originally ask you was now you're having this shitty day. Yeah. You're trying to get rid of this, you know, 2002 Ford Focus that nobody wants, <laughs> right? It's you're you're trying to tell somebody that it's a great car and you know it's gonna die at like a hundred thousand miles, and you just you want to get out of there. You get out of there. You got three gigs or two gigs lined up. You got to go to the city. Does the comedy completely take you away? Like, I remember with me, it was just so two different worlds so much. Totally different worlds. It just takes you away. See, that's the beautiful thing about stand-up comedy. You can have two jobs, but if you're, like, doing what you do, and then you're a cook, yeah. it sucks again. Right, right. 
Or, you know, yes. this is like you're doing what sucks and then you get the freedom. Yes, that's what it is. The minute the clock hits seven, I feel free. At that moment, like my demeanor changes, I feel alive again. <laughs> I feel like I have energy. I feel like I have a purpose in life. I hope there's somebody out there listening going, that dude sold me a Hyundai <laughs> accent. I swear to God, I know that's the dude that sold me a Hyundai accent. Um, all right, guys, now I have to do something that I've been waiting. I have been waiting a week and a half to do, and it is talk. It's movie time, okay? Um, and and I saw the new release with my two-year-old and family. I have to trash Cars Two was absolutely. I know I do an unacceptable uh, for the week, but I'm gonna leave that to Farias because I always let you know. As you guys know, my guests get to do that. But Cars Two, we go to the Palisades Mall. Me, my wife, my mother-in-law, my wife's stepfather, and my two-year-old son. Psyched as shit. Like, did you see Cars 1? I saw Cars 1. Yeah. It's a good movie. Cars 1 was great <clears throat> for even me. You know, it was just, it had a story. It had the emotion. Usually this, all Pixar movies are pretty good. Yeah. For adults a- and kids. Absolutely. My favorite Pixar movies have been uh, Finding Nemo I liked. I liked Cars. Because you know what? They had like, they got the little sentimental thing. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny? Even though they're little kids, like my son hears the music and he'll go, oh, they're sad. Like he knows. Right, right, right. Like he could sense, <clears throat> like, you know, Cars 2 starts out with Michael Caine's car. Okay. Which is a British spy okay. on a boat. Okay. So now the opening scene, these kids are four, five years old, two years old, whatever. You know, one through five, where's Lightning McQueen? And they, they start a plot where, like, this spy is on a ship like me and you would be watching. Right, right, right. There were subplots, okay? There was actually murder. They actually tied up a car they and they the asked car. it to do something and they blew up a car. And you only saw through the reflection that their car blew up. Wow. So now these kids are like, what? There's a subplot where there's a world race. That, you know, Lightning McQueen has to go to. Keep it simple. You f- I just don't understand. And Larry the Cable Guy, if I ever fucking run into Larry the Cable Guy, I want, I want, how many, how many people went to the movie? What's 11 times 5? 55. <laughs> I want 55 fucking dollars. Okay? You owe us. He goes on Conan and he goes, it's better than the first one. It's better. No, it's not better than the first one. You have one. to say that. Yeah, I know. But you're going to be like, this really sucks. No, but he, he did it in a way that, like, he actually bamboozled me. Shame on me for being bamboozled, but he did it in a way where he was like, and honestly, it's better than the first one. And, like, people are clapping, and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Wait, keep you, doing more Larry the Cable Guy, boys. That's a really good voice you got there. Is it? Yeah, the impression's perfect. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, you know it's funny now I'm going to be like working on it like trying to, no but he's doing that and I'm getting I'm getting pissed off and there's no way I got to be honest with you we were with adults who were going now who's killing who like there, there was it was about killing it was about like spies um, they only go to Radiator Springs okay where the shit went down like for a little bit I know mm-hmm. I'm talking about this way too seriously but you got to understand <laughs> I have <laughs> Radiator Springs yeah I'm like why couldn't they <laughs> We yeah. needed more Radiator Springs in this movie. If, if, they, if they went to... If they, I'm psyched. I heard Disney's actually building an actual Radiator Springs. Really? So that's going to be epic. There's a kid well, in you, my friend. What? There's a kid in you. Yeah, it, you, trust me. Trust me. You plan to have kids? Maybe one day. If you... Trust me. You'll see. Like, every day for weeks, my son said, put cars in. I've watched the DVD cars six times a day for weeks straight wow. every day. Okay, so I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm intrigued. Sure. Joe Matarese, I got to give it to him, comedian Joe Matarese, who's been on the show before, he saw it, and he called it Inception for Kids or like Memento for Kids. <laughs> Completely fucking terrible, and he was 100% right. For an adult to follow this movie and get it right, there are still parts of this movie where I don't know why that spy was doing what it was doing. And here's the kicker. The enemy of the fucking movie turned out to be Big Oil. Big oil. It was like this corrupt guy. He was trying to like change fuel to, and it was just a big like big oil scheme. So it's like, and what the fuck does it to? My kid wanted all he wanted to do was eat Junior Mints and see Lightning McQueen and Mater. That's all he wanted to do. And it's like big oil. And it got to the point I had to take him out of the fucking thing. So anyway. Um, here's what I'll say. If you're an adult with a PhD, you'll fucking love it. No, probably uh, not still. Probably not still. Yeah, Who the fuck wants yeah. to see that? <laughs> yeah. No, it was just, oh my God. Shame on Disney for bamboozling people to go. And you know, it was number one again for the week. All right. Of course. Actually, uh, they said Pixar, Disney Pixar has broken a record. Really? Or like they, they, uh, their last 11 releases have been number one for the week. That makes sense. They have a good track record. It, it, you know? they, they do have a good track record, so I can't. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna kill Disney on one bad. You know, hey, we've had bad sets. 
Sure. I want the people to come back and watch us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they, if they judged, if judge me on that, but um, I got I got really it's still a shitty movie. You still paid fifty five bucks. We paid a lot of money for it, and and I think that if they would have kept the attention of the main two characters and not had subplots and agents and spies and, and, big then oil. Having, and having big oil and gasoline, at one point one of the cars goes once big oil, always big oil. Like who's gonna like you know? It was just yeah, it was ridiculous. So um, I will say. You know, maybe he'll look at it later on in his life and go, well, I, I just, it was fucked up. It really was. That's all I can say about it. It was a bad movie. Um, and I Did he like it, though? Did he enjoy it at all? He liked a couple of visual. I will say this about the movie. When they were in the grand world race where they're speeding around the track, that was cool. Okay. Like, the sound was awesome, and, and I thought that that was it. But that was it. That was it. Like it was, it, but there was more. They were trying to like kill cars. Like there was like plot. There were murder plots. Yeah. And then it happened to be big oil. So basically, real world stuff in a Disney movie. Um, so have you seen any new releases? Anything lately? I actually, I thought one of the best movies I've seen in a while is the new Woody Allen film. Uh, I heard about that. Midnight in Paris. Oh, let's talk about that. Absolutely, I it's heard about that. Is it very invent? I mean, my date hated it and I think it's because she's conservative and they kind of trash talk like tea parties and conservatives and all that oh, okay. so I thought she was kind of upset about that but the movie itself the, the idea of it and everything was really original I don't want to give it away because based on the trailer okay. I thought it was going to be a completely different movie Okay. and then I went in and I was like wow this is not what I expected and but in very, a good way in a very good way right. very original very funny uh, the audience loved it. See, when that happens, it's cool. Because sometimes you go into a movie, you watch the coming attraction, you're like, you know this is going to be, I know what this is, and right. I even think it's, and then you go in, you're like, it's not anything I thought, but no. I liked it. And yeah, it's it all a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it was right. really good. Really good. And it's got really good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and all that. I would suggest, instead of uh, Cars 2, <laughs> uh, see Midnight in Paris. It's a really good movie. Um, now, what, what is it about? Without giving it away, <laughs> what can you say about the movie? Um... It's Woody Allen, but it was, it was played by Owen Wilson. The Woody Allen character was played by Owen Wilson. Okay. And the, the visuals were really good because it's shot in Paris. Okay. So the way he shot the city, amazing. The, the music it was very whimsical and, and just nice. really nice. And the, the thing that I guess I, I can't do this without giving it away, but it's sort of like he gets trapped in a writing group of thick, like older writing Authors like yeah, basically older. Like he meets okay. Hemingway, he meets Gertrude Stein, and all these. And he just—it's about a writer who has like, who's going through issues with his, with his marriage and his. And he's meeting all of these. He's meeting all these. Um, like if we just like happened like to, be, we had, prior, to meet like Pryor, yeah, like Pryor, Carlin, and uh, yeah, you know. Okay, so okay, so that's good. So so you recommend it? Highly recommend it. Okay, well you know what, folks, go see the Woody Allen movie and. Uh, like I said, I mean, Cars 2, it's just, if you want your kid to go into Cars 2 and be, like, totally psyched and know what's going on and be into it, it's not going to happen. Um, but see the new Woody Allen movie. Um, and I, I actually heard that from some other people that I got to see. So yeah. there's some things. I have absolutely no desire to see Green Lantern. And I, I, don't, heard, I, I heard from some people that it's like a kid's movie. You know, as soon as I saw the bad guy's head growing and they said Green Lantern can imagine things and then it's there, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, so that'll do it. Um, that will do it for, for sports. Uh, now, what I always do is I give the floor to my guest for um, Unacceptable for the Week. And um, basically what Unacceptable for the Week is anything that you've seen. If it's, if it's a customer trying to buy a car that bothers you. If it's something you see on TV. Anything that you just saw that you're like, that was fucking unacceptable. Um, you could just totally riff on and, uh, and then we'll tell people how to rectify it. Uh, well, I don't know if it's... It's happened like last week or maybe two weeks ago. And this really bothered me as a Muslim because you have this... Right now the presidential candidates are coming up and this guy, um, Herman Cain, this black guy, uh, he's... They're interviewing him and they're asking him, would you ever have... Would you ever hire a Muslim in your administration? And he flat out just says no. Like no thinking? No, not even... He's just like, no, I'm never going to do that. And, and like... Not realizing how bigoted that is, and he's still running for president. Do you know what I mean? Like, if right, he right. said, imagine if he, someone said that, like, are you going to ever hire Christians? And he just said right. no. This right. guy would not be running for president. Right, right, right. right. But then they asked him to explain his answer, and he said, well, I meant only the ones that are trying to kill us. Like, are you what? fucking kidding me? <laughs> is that, is that, that's how he's doing the job interview? Like, are you trying to kill us? Uh, no? All right, then I can hire you. Oh that, my. That's just insane to me. How about anybody who tries to kill you? Exactly. <laughs> 
not only that, but it's not like only Muslims are trying to kill you. There's a lot of white people trying to kill black people too. Like that's like him saying, "Would you ever?" That's like them asking him, "Would you ever hire an Italian?" He goes, "Absolutely not." No. Go, no, only the mafia guys. Yeah, yeah. Only, only, only the ones that kind of talk a little like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's so insane. And he's still running for president, and I feel like Herman Cain is the true epitome of the audacity of hope. Like, you know how Barack Obama wrote a book right. called The Audacity of Hope? This guy <laughs> exemplifies audacity of hope because he's a black guy who thinks Republicans are going are to nominate a black guy to be their president. And there's going to be two black presidents back-to-back -back in America. That's never going to happen. <laughs> that's just not going to happen right now. See, you know what's funny, and, and you know, and I told that's a good unacceptable. To, that answer was unacceptable. It was very like to, to say that, and then to just be like, "Oh, well, I meant the ones that'll kill us." You could say that about any group. Any fucking oh, group. that's hilarious. You were uh, clearly bigoted. No, that, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's crazy. You know what? This is why, though. This is why I am, and you know, I don't really get into politics on this, but you know, when I do talk about it, I am. I, I think it's ignorant to not see everybody's argument. I, at least listen to everybody's right. argument. You got to listen and take in. Okay, because I think everybody's got something. I think everybody does have something to say and can add something. It's just somebody's views may not be what you think. But it's just funny that this guy is like doing anything. Like he'll do anything right. to. And th and that's why all the I think all politicians, man. But no, that's that's yeah. Only the ones that want to kill us. Right. <laughs> It's just so insane. And the fact that he's still running for president is, is so insane to me. And it just shows how acceptable it is to bash Muslims right now. Like, we're just... Free game. We're just free game. game. Anyone can do it and totally acceptable. Now, you know what? I think it would be... It, so, let, let's talk about this, okay? Uh, even though you're not a practicing Muslim, sure. you're Muslim. My parents are, you know, practicing and all that. So, okay. I still feel the pain. So, so yeah. So, now, now explain to me. Now, after 9-11, yeah. okay, were you, did you feel... Did, when that happened here and this, you know, that horrific thing, did you feel people treating you differently when you got on stage? Let's talk about this. When you got on stage, mm -hmm. were you, and you started to do comedy, uh, well, were you doing comedy then or, or did no, you? No, I started like four years after 9-11. Yeah, oh, okay. Three, so, four years after that. Okay. But let's, let's even talk about that. When you got on mm -hmm. stage, cause three or four years, it's still very it's still sensitive. Fresh, yeah. It's still fresh. Um, there were guys beating cabs, cab drivers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Did you feel any kind of, um, I should say, animosity either on stage or walking the streets after 9-11 uh, being a, a Muslim in New York? No. Actually, that's very surprising to me that didn't happen. And I feel like outside of New York City, if you're a Muslim, you probably felt it more than being in New York City where it happened. I mean, I, I went to a high school where right. the kid's mom actually died on, on the towers. And... They never found her body and all that, but he was still my friend, and we got along just fine. And you know, I went to a high school that didn't treat me differently. Wow! And it was it was great, you know. And credit to New York City for that. And I never really felt any animosity from anyone in New York City, really. Maybe there was like one or two comments here and there, but you know, whatever. People are people. Right, people. Right, right. But one or two comments in the, all the time. All is the nothing. Times, yeah, nothing, yeah. It's nothing. And uh, on stage, I don't think sometimes. A comic before me might have said something derogatory, and then when I go on stage, the audience will react like you know, right? Like that. In other words, yeah, they said something, and then all of a sudden, it's like the elephant in the room. You're on stage right, now, right? And okay, yeah. Other than that, not really. I haven't really felt it too much, but I, f I feel it in the news. I feel it in the politics. I feel like you know all this talk about Sharia law and this and that, and it really just gets to me like. And it's all happening outside of New York City, where it's not affected. It's happening outside of Washington D.C., where it hasn't. Where yeah. yeah, yeah. I almost feel like that's a good point because I almost feel like as as a Muslim, that happened in New York City, but you would actually, I feel like you'd catch more shit from that in Texas, Tennessee, or Tennessee, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like you go there and it's like, well, wait a minute, where I live, I live uh, like near there, right. and people understand that like that's not me, it's not, exactly. and I'm here walking the streets of Texas and I'm getting shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that's because uh, that, I got to imagine that after something like that happens, there has to be that like oh fuck moment. Like, of, like, holy shit, like, this could be ugly because there are people that are just ignorant. Yeah. And people just don't get it. Exactly. So they, they, they take their one person and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm curious to find out if a comedian, a Muslim comedian, during that time, I wonder how that would have been. I mean, I'm sure if people are going to a comedy show, they're, they're, they would just want to see comedy, but that's got to be, that's got to definitely be on your mind. Definitely. Right? Um, so now you, so, so you come here in 1993 and uh, you lived in... The Bronx for like a um, month or two and then moved to Sunnyside. Okay. Queens. Sunnyside Queens. Sunnyside Queens. Now, what made the, the what, what, why did comedy, how did comedy come into this? 
like with you what did you did you who was your hero or did, what made you get on stage and say this is what I want to do especially be not not being from here like so you didn't right. grow up with did you you didn't grow up with seeing Richard Pryor and stuff like no, that I mean I was I, yeah I came in 93 I barely spoke English I didn't yeah yeah I didn't know anybody like I I thought my concept of comedy really before I started doing comedy was I would see these people in Comedy Central and like Chris Rock and all these guys. Right. And I would just think like, wow, they have interesting lives. Like how would they right. just go on there and just talk like this? Right. I didn't know it was like a 10 year process. I thought you just come on stage and start talking about their lives and what's going on. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Right. But I, you know, so then that's why I thought like my first got on stage, okay, so I'm going to do this and then next year I'll be on Letterman. Yeah, and I want yeah. to be famous. Right. Yeah, that, 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 yeah that's an easy course. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, this is going to be easy. Yeah. We're here. I'm going to be rich and famous. I'm going to do what they yeah. do. Yeah. But see, that's interesting to me because you weren't, you were, you know, in Bangladesh, you're not seeing the Carlin specials. No. Or up until that point. You're not seeing Pryor or, you know, Eddie Murphy or certain things. Because no. for me, 87, I believe it was 87, was Eddie Murphy Raw. I was three. And, and, and uh, I, I watched that at like whatever I was, 10 years old. And I was just like, holy shit, like his presence, everything he's doing. I want to do that. Right. You had a different. You come. You come here later on, mm-hmm. and you didn't have that. And then all of a sudden, you watch. You, you're like Americanized. Right. Then you see that. And you're like, holy shit! This dude just telling his life. I want to do that. Right. Oh, so that's different. Because you, I would think it would be like something that like you saw, and it was like there wasn't like an aha moment. It was just sort of like I, in high school, people thought I was funny. Yeah. And then my friends were like, well, why don't you do stand up? And I was like, all right, maybe I'll do it one day. So I tried it one day, and stuck and that, with it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And it's, and it's amazing, too, because, like, we sometimes we forget what we do. And then all of a sudden when you realize, like, we're going into a club and we're doing that. And you think back to, like, sometimes I think back to, like, not that I'm always comfortable and not nervous. Because you always get that. I think any performer. Yeah. They, they asked Frank Sinatra 25 years after he was Frank Sinatra, do you still get... But, and, and I think you need that. Of course. And I think if you don't have that, it's not good. But you it's can't just, take it for granted. No, but when you look back, like, when we first did it, it was, like, such a big deal. Like, I remember when I... like. Like, I was working, I was selling phone, cable, and internet door-to-door in Queens. And, uh, and I was like, and I had a show, and I was just, all I focused on was a show. I was so nervous. Did you grow up here? And now, um, I'm, I, I was born in the, uh, Yonkers. Okay. I was pretty much always in Westchester. And for high school, my mom moved me upstate. That was tough, man. I went to school, like, up near the Poughkeepsie area, Fishkill, you know, and that was, that was really tough. But I always wanted to do this. Uh-huh. And, uh, but now... It's our like it's our job like it's like going to the it's like when somebody goes to the office and they're going to their nine to five and they get their coffee at eight forty five and they go and sit down like we go into a packed club with people with drinks in front of them and we go in and it's sometimes I think uh, a comic from uh, Wisconsin said uh, said this to me he goes uh, we forget what we do sometimes like we don't like what we do is pretty like. I'm not trying to toot comedians' horns, but sometimes we, 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 we like, holy shit, like, I'm going, I, like, that place is packed, people like, how do you do it? And for us, it's like, no, what do you mean? Like, that's what yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, You know, and it's, it's. It becomes it, second nature. Yeah, it's, when, it's something like this that's really awesome, and I think the fact that people before us, like Carlin, like Pryor, and, I, you know, guys like today, I've, I've been, you know, honored, and, and it's been a pleasure to open for guys like Bill Burr and certain guys that are just, you know, masters of the craft. That's amazing. And when you could follow, like, when you could, like, follow in the footsteps and go, holy shit, like, that's what you're doing. That's, I think they say comedians are, once, like, a year and a half or two years of doing it, you'll know if it's something that you, you either want or pursue. Because I couldn't imagine having a fucking bad year. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, listen, bad shows here and there scattered out, but, like, if you bomb for a year, man, that's got to be, like... Well, actually, I was hearing something about Louis C.K., and he was saying how he, like, bombed for a year or two. And he was just having bad sets. And once he bottomed out, it freed him. Like, it liberated his, his psyche wow. or something. Wow. Yeah. That's, well, you know what? It's like, it's almost like I kind of felt like tonight, in a way. Like, you know, if we could bring it back full circle to tonight, yeah. it's like... When I saw what was going on, and then you kind of come up here and you do this, you know, thing where I thought you totally just loosened the room, and basically, what you basically did with your body language and your set was say, "I don't give a fuck," and what can I do anyway? So you just stated the obvious and did certain things and did a great job with it. And then I kind of got on. I was like, "What's going to happen here?" So he basically had that on a much larger scale. And but I couldn't imagine because I know how bad I feel when I bomb. It's a very low low. It, it's I, If I just don't do well and knowing people are filing out of that room going, that guy sucked, or I don't find that guy funny, it's such a heart. Yeah. It's, it's a, so personal. It's a, yeah. It's like you don't like, not only did you like, you don't like me. Yeah. And I'm going home and I'm feeling this and it just feels mm-hmm. fucking terrible. 
So I couldn't, you know, I need that next one to go and kill. That's what's amazing about comedy. It's all you. You're responsible for the whole thing. And if you crush, yes. you feel amazing because you did all that. You did everything. You did everything. Those yeah. that material, the delivery, the writing, everything is, is you. And that's what's amazing about it. Do, now, now with your um, writing, because I'm not one of these people that write. I don't write, you know, like on like I know people say, oh, I write Thursday. Mm-hmm. Thursday's my day to write. Um, I kind of just, you know, I write on stage a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I'll then I'll write it down afterwards. Like, okay, what if I do this? And and also I have things just randomly hit my head that I just jot down on a notebook. Do you have a set day, or no, how do you go? No about set it? days. I just I'm because I have a shitty job. I'm constantly just thinking about stand up. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so usually it's points that I want to make that I want to talk about, and I want to f- find a way to make that funny. Like I've had I've. I, like right now, I'm going into a lot, of, a lot of politics, political stuff, and it's points that I want to make, things that bo- are bothering me, things I'm frustrated by, and try to make funny material out of that. And that's really all it is. Right. So yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, what are your? Um, I mean, you have you have old school Muslim parents? Like no, you- not old school. My parents are pretty liberal. Like I, when I was in Bangladesh, I went to a, a Christian school. Like for okay. in third grade, I was I went to a Christian Christian school. For a year, um, no. My parents are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty liberal, but they pray and all that, and do, they believe do they don't eat pork. What but I eat they, pork. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> like when you eat pork, they just freak out on you. No, they still know about it. Like I'll, 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 it's not like I bring the pork in and like eat you pork sneak, chops. You're but like when I'm out, strips of bacon and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> but but when I'm outside, you know, if I don't eat a pork chop, I'll have a pork chop. I don't care. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> That's hilarious. You're like, dude, come here. I got. <laughs> I, got, I, got Dude, I, got, I got some bacon strips. <laughs> Look at the stage. Don't tell nobody. Right? Those are extra crispy on the <laughs> um, Now, what do they think of you doing stand-up? Uh, they, when I first started, they would say to their friends, like when I would leave the house or something, they'd be like, yeah, you just go into a, a friend's house or something like that. Just like be very secretive about it and not say anything. <laughs> right. They didn't know what to make of it. My dad was like, so I brought you here to be a clown. Like that, that's what his attitude Cause that's was. Like, yeah, because some people, yeah, like some people He doesn't people know. They've never seen me perform. So they don't know and they don't know the world of stand-up. So they right. just thought I'm just a clown on stage and it was very offensive to them. You know, putting really? all this hard work. Yeah, because they put all this hard work. I'm the only child. Wow. So they just think like, I just wasted all okay, this we came, like Yeah, we came, like we took our boy to to the land of opportunity, and this is the opportunity and he's, to see and he's he's a clown up there juggling and yeah, yeah. see that's what some yeah that's what, so now do they know and see the progress and understand that like it's an art form and no that, they no. don't they don't know any of that but they know that I'm so stubborn about it and I'm stuck with it for so long now they're supportive of it now they just they're like well we hope it wasn't to see a flash you. in a pan right you're not just like I'm it's gonna try phase. this it's not a face yeah, yeah, yeah. now, now I, they're supportive I, of it. I, you know it's funny it's, it's, it's funny that you say that because uh, recently I did a show at Caroline's like recently and after literally 10 years of this mm-hmm. uh, one of my family members goes you know what after I can honestly say now this is what you're doing with your life and I'm like it's been a decade <laughs> like, like listen yeah, if, if, it was, if it was like two weekends <laughs> You know, uh, Dane Cook actually said something about that, and I know Dane Cook's not really popular <laughs> material-wise with people, but he said something, um, and I actually don't knock him because what that guy did business-wise, and I, I think, you know what, I think Dane Cook had some good stuff. I think he had some stuff that wasn't really uh, HBO-worthy, but nobody could knock his work ethic, and nobody could knock what he did from a business standpoint, but he told a story about how his dad would be like, um, so you, like he got like like SNL, and his dad was like, "Oh, so you're not caddying anymore?" And he was like, "Dude, like no, I'm doing this." Right. And it's amazing that family members, like certain people, get it from the beginning because they see the end of the road, or they see, okay, Chris Rock, you can make yourself insane amounts of money, and you could do this. But other people look at it like, like you said, like your parents, or or other even not even and not even people from another country right. that don't, they just look at it like, um, is it a phase? Is this something that like no, we're getting better and and you know we're evolving. That's definitely that's well, interesting. Steve Martin's dad, I think when you read his autobiography, like he's killing and he's at the height of his career. His dad's like, so this is funny. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you read his wow. autobiography, it's like there's so yeah, a lot of comedians got daddy issues and parent issues, I guess. I, don't know. I no. All, like yeah, so many much. comedians that you talk to are like, you know, this and that. Hey, we, we all have our own things. And yeah. just now, like, you know, I was talking on stage, you know, the OCD, the crazy thoughts. That comes from somewhere. Of course. It, it comes from somewhere, some event. Now, do you have siblings? I'm the only child. Only child? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so what that kind of explains. Yeah. yeah, they're like, all right, we want <laughs> maybe <laughs> should big, be a doctor. Maybe yeah. big business or, right. or a doctor. And, uh, oh, that's cool. Well, all right. So, um, dude, this is, this is, it was great talking to you. Yeah, this it was is, fun. This is, yeah. Um, 
I actually am going to Cape Cod tomorrow with the family, and I didn't want this to be my last show, but you know what? We had a good time with it. Um, Cape Cod's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I was there like two years ago. It was a good place. Yeah, with the little boy, we're going to go to the beach. Uh, I don't have shows for about a week now, so it's going to be boozing, watching DVDs, having a good time, and... uh, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad to end it with an excellent podcast show. Excellent uh, guest. Do you have uh, anything that you want to plug? Uh, Any kind of uh, you know shows coming up in the city? Well, I do Seymour Swan show every Saturday at uh, midnight. That's actually been a packed, great show yeah. for so and many he's a, years. He's a great guy. Seymour's a great guy, and uh, I would like to support his show. And also on Sundays, I'm usually on Jamie Roberts Sunday Night Live show at Broadway Comedy Club. That's also a good show. So if you guys can support that. Good, good, good shows to come out to. Go, go see Firehouse. Listen, man, um, I've, I've uh, like I said, I've, I've met him a few times. We kind of knew each other. But working with him tonight, uh, smart dude, incredibly funny. And I told him, and I'm not saying this, I was watching him work, and I was just going, holy shit, man, this dude is, is, is a beast, and he's just smart and gets it. Go see him perform. He had me laughing within the first 25 seconds he was on stage, and I laughed the whole way through. Um, so check them out at Seymour's show. That's a show going on at New York Comedy Club for a long time. Also the show at uh, Broadway. Um, for me, um, I have um, the comedy shop shows I have going on uh, with the Joe Matarese on the 8th and 9th. And I, I, I know one is in Ridgewood. I don't know the other one. Check my website for that on uh, July 20th through the 23rd. I will be at Stand Up Carolina uh, in Myrtle Beach uh, headlining that. And then I will be... On uh, July 29th and 30th, I will be with Adrian Appalucci, um, our, our mutual, mutual friend there. Friend. Yes, uh, at Motley's Comedy Club in Faneuil Hall in Boston. That should be, uh, you know, a great show as well. And uh, like I said, I always tell you guys, keep going to my website. I got more and more dates coming up. Uh, more things are being added. Um, oh, and on the 28th, I just got added to the De- Degenerate Show at Caroline's on Broadway. Um on uh, the 10th, uh, at 10 o'clock on the 28th. So um, July 28th, I'll be at Caroline's. The 29th and 30th, I'll be in Boston. Check those out. Please keep supporting um, the Verzi Effect podcast show. And uh, this will be available for free on iTunes tomorrow, also on Podbean. I would love to officially thank my guest, Farias Rabani. I never That's fucked his me. name up once <laughs> during, <laughs> during the whole thing. This poor guy's probably been having that shit done to him his whole life. Um, <laughs> we are... On stage here at Bruckner Bar and Grill in the Bronx. Had a great time. Until episode 23, uh, we're out of here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Take care, everybody.